Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. We're on important business this morning. I'm picking up where I left off on Vision Sunday this morning. I told you that I, if you were here, I told you I, I was going to do some things. And you'll find out that if I tell you I'm going to do something, you can expect it. And uh, I said that we were going to teach you and demonstrate to you how to do things. The work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. And we're beginning a series on that this morning. And we're going to stay with it till the Lord releases us about it or tells us something differently. How many were not here with us Vision Sunday? Put up your hand. So, okay, quite, quite a few. All right. Uh, if you feel like that this is going to be your church, I'd very much like for you to have that tape. And we've made it available for, what did I say, $2? Which is very little, as you understand. Because we just want it to be available. Uh, we talked about uh, how the church is going to operate and what our emphasis is going to be. And among other things, we talked about how the ministry is going to work and how the people in the church are going to operate. And we said to you that there is a, a crippling deception in the body of Christ. And that is that the preachers, the pastors, are responsible to personally and individually minister to all the people in every area, do all the praying for people, all the visiting people, all the counseling people. This is not correct. Did you hear me? A church can never be big like that. It cripples a church. It limits it. There, there, there are three major, major problems with that concept. And I know people hold this all over the, the world. But uh, number one, it overworks the mama and daddy of the church. Now, now Phyllis and I didn't start yesterday. We've been in the ministry over 25 years, and I mean when I say in the ministry, I mean in it up to our eyes, busy, night and day. And I've seen friends just work their self silly. I've seen friends go to the doctor, and he said, you know, you here they are 50 years old, and he says, you got the body of a 90-year-old man. Why? And one, one individual said, you know, well, I, you, you must take the cares of everybody that's in the church. You must eat with them and sleep with them. And, and they said, yeah, I do. And people think that's noble. No, it's ignorant. It's wrong. And it hurts the people. Besides that, it's not practicing the word. The scripture tells us, preachers included, cast your cares on the Lord. Right? You never helped anybody by worrying about their situation. Let me say that real slow. You never helped anyone. By worrying about their situation. Some, you know, now I grew up the same way. So many of you did. I, in my family, it was kind of an unspoken deal. That if you love people, you worry about them. Hmm? That is a lie. From the pit of hell. I know that's strong, but I'm, I mean for it to be strong. Worry will absolutely kill you. Worry will put you in an early grave. It will destroy you. Because we're not made to worry. We're not designed to handle it. And we're commanded in the scriptures not to. He didn't say try not to worry. He commanded us to. Cast all your care on the Lord. Be careful for nothing. That's plain, isn't it? Now, you have to school yourself in this. You have to retrain yourself, renew your mind. And it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But if you'll stay with it, you get to the place where you can do it. And you'll do it consistently. And you'll live a lot longer. And you'll be a lot more help to people. Amen? But what we had said to you is that, well, let me finish what I first started to say. The problems with this unscriptural mentality that the preachers are supposed to do all the work of the ministry. Number one, it overworks the, the pastors and the ministry. It overworks the mom and daddy of the church. And, you know, besides that, I, 
the Lord's dealt with me that I'm not released from traveling completely. I'm, I'm going to take care of the church. But he's also, I, I've prayed about it. I've looked at it. I'd be willing to. It'd be easier on me. Oh, yeah. Preach to you real good on Sunday. Go to the lake on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, ride my motorcycle on Tuesday. Yeah. Sounds good to me. But the Lord hadn't released me. I mean, these three days in Lubbock this week were just wonderful. We taught on the honor of God. And these guys, man, they hooked up. And we, we had a move of God in there. I was up in New Jersey a while back, you know, I told you about it. Man, I mean, I, you know, I, I couldn't say I shouldn't have gone. Man, it was wonderful. And there was a deposit there. Those folk are still there calling me up saying, man, everybody in the church is talking about this. Well, if God can use us to bring a deposit to a church and we're supposed to, then we should. And if I can do it without neglecting you. But if I'm going to do this, I can't be sitting holding everybody's hand here, right? <clears throat> Nor am I supposed to. And if I'm, doing, if I'm staying up all night and all day counseling with everybody and doing everything over every little old nothing deal, then I'm not going to be ready. I'm not going to be fit. I'll be frank with you. I was tired into this week. Man, I came in and I had, to, had thunderstorms everywhere and... And I'd fly around all day and, and couldn't light. Tried to light here and couldn't. I had to go up to Springfield. And at the time I got in here and spoke Friday night, man, I was fading. Needed to renew. Needed, and I, I, I understand enough to know I don't care who you are, what kind of faith you think you have. We are mortal. And if you don't rest yourself properly, it's going to cost you somewhere. I don't care what kind of faith you think you got. You need rest. Not just physical rest. Mental rest, emotional, spiritual rest. If folk don't realize sometimes what it, what it takes to give out ministry on some of these levels. I, you know, I used to teach in the Bible school. And one of the things we had were lab classes where people would come and speak. And I would evaluate them, believe it or not. And so they'd prepare them. Some of them had never spoken before. Well, this one guy, bless his heart, he got up. He didn't prepare. He just said, you know, well, he just believed God would help him, you know. So he got up, and he stumbled around, and he stumbled around, and he looked at me. He said, this is hard. <laughs> and he said another phrase or two, and then he said, man, this is hard. I didn't know this was so hard. I mean, this is what he's supposed to be speaking. He's saying all this. Well, he finally just quit and sat down. Well, I was talking to him afterwards because he didn't make too good of a grade. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, why didn't you prepare better? He said, well, I see you guys just stand up and just talk and talk and talk. Look real easy to me. <laughs> well, if you do it right, it takes some effort. takes some input. Amen. Amen. And folk, may, they see one side of it. They don't see the other side. I mean, you know, I, I'm, what I'm teaching you on today is some people would call a very simplistic thing. But I looked at probably a thousand verses uh, this last night and this morning at 12 and 1 and 2 and 3 o'clock. And, and I've taught on it many times before. But I want to make sure I got it. Best I know how. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? That's what the scripture said. We will give ourselves continually. To what? Amen. Counseling and visitation. That's what some religions say. But that is not what the scripture said. We're to give ourselves continually to what? Prayer. And to the ministry of the word. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? Well, then how is everything going to get taken care of? Number one, I said that doctrine uh, causes the, the pastors to be overworked. It also causes the people to not develop. The individuals. I mean, people are not supposed to just come to church and sit on the pew and smile and go, Yeah, God bless. Let's go home. That's what most people do. But it's not right. It's not Bible. It's not God. You're supposed to be developing. And the only way you're going to... You, you can't develop spiritually just by eating. Any more than you can physically. You've got to also what? Exercise. It's not a dirty word. Exercise. Amen? How do you exercise spiritually? You need to be helping people. Amen? It's the only way you're going to develop like you're supposed to. And then thirdly... It is the biblical example. It's what the Bible has told us to do. Are you looking in Ephesians here? The fourth chapter. 
verse 11. Ephesians 4:11 says God gave some apostles and he gave some prophets and he gave some evangelists and he gave some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen to the NIV it says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How many believe the scripture here? The Amplified says his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward the building up of Christ's body. I'm going to read that again. His intent, God giving these gifts. What, why did he give them? Why did he give us the ministry gifts? To do all the work of the ministry? No. The ministry gifts are to perfect and fully equip the saints. So that they can do the work of the ministry and build up the body of Christ. One man can't do it all. Ten people can't do it all. You, you're going to see people I'm never going to meet. Right? You are a minister of the gospel. Doesn't mean you have to stand behind the pulpit. Doesn't mean you have to pastor or travel or evangelize. But you are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Everybody said out loud, I am. am. To be doing doing. the work work. of the ministry. The The 16th verse. uh, This again is the Amplified. From him the whole body... No, excuse me, this is the NIV. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds up itself in love, listen to this, as each part does its work. As each part does its work. And I had said to you that if you're going to be a part of the family here at Faith Life Church, that my job is to teach you and to train you And to lead you and demonstrate to you how to do the work of the ministry. And it's your job to do it. And to follow. And it's not going to be okay to just come and always sit and watch and do nothing. Not going to be okay. Now we'll love you and you can get by with it for a while. But but after a while you're going to keep hearing me say it. And if you don't want to do anything you'll get where you don't like me. And you'll have to go somewhere else where people will leave you long and just let you sit. Because here we're going to work. I said here we're going to work. Why are we here on the planet? Why is there a church? Hmm? I'm seeking God. I'm believing God. We're going to do stuff in the community. We're going to do stuff in the state. We're going to reach out beyond the state. Amen. We're going to do some things in some other countries. You just watch watch and see. I've already got contacts all over the world. I mean, I could take any amount of money and any amount of people and keep them busy. Ain't no shortage of things to do. There's no shortage of places to go or people that need help. But there is a major shortage of people that know what to do when they get there. Hmm? So that's what we're working on. That's what we're starting on this morning. Amen? I'm believing God. You believe God with me. For utterance. And to teach and to lead and train and demonstrate how to do the work of the ministry. Now, would you turn with me to the book of Acts, the first chapter. Acts chapter 1. Now... You'll find that I don't, I'm, not, I'm not asking you continuously to do things. I've asked everybody in the church to read one chapter a day. If you haven't been doing that and you feel like this, you're part of this church, I'm asking you to do it. In other words, it's, it's not optional. I'm asking you to do it. Read one chapter out of the New Testament every day, Monday through Friday. It'll help us in unity. It'll help you to make sure that your spirit is fed at least this much. And I want you to read it and exercise faith. We finished uh, chapter 11, was it? Is that right? Friday. 
So Monday we start Luke chapter 12. I'm reading it too. A lot of times Phyllis and I, first thing we do when we get up, first of all, she has to make coffee. And then, <laughs> and then we'll go and we'll sit down and we get our Bible out. Hmm? And we sit there and we read that carefully. And sometimes we sit there and talk about it. We'll read it from another translation like an Amplified or NIV or Living or something. And we'll talk about some of those things that's in that chapter. It's wonderful. It feeds your spirit. Amen. How many reading your scriptures with us? Lift up your hand. Oh, good, good, excellent. If you haven't been doing it, I'm asking you. You can start real easily. Chapter 12. Luke, Monday, and then just read chapter 13 on Tuesday, chapter 14 on Wednesday, read one chapter a day, just Monday through Friday, and uh, we'll, if you do this, you will have read the New Testament through in its entirety in one year. That's good, isn't it? Besides that, you'll be feeding your spirit. It'll help you tremendously. But on this, I'm asking you to do something else. I would like for you to take notes on some of these things that I'm beginning to teach today. Because you are going to be doing this. And I want you to listen as though I might call you up at the end of the service and have you do it. Because I have done it before. Did you hear me? <laughs> I said, well, I, I wouldn't come up. Well, then you got a problem. Is this your church or not? You going to follow us or not? You understand what I'm talking about? So, you know, don't, don't get scared. I'll be led in what I do. But it, do you understand what I mean by that mentality? Take notes. So that you'll know how, especially just the main points at least, about how to do these things. And then be thinking, okay, well, if he, if he called me down to do this right now, would I know how to do it? Not only that, I want you to be doing it during the week and the rest of your life. And I want you to be able to teach other people how to do it. Okay? Because you're a minister. Doing the work of the ministry. Sometimes people say, well, I feel like i got a call on my life. All of us have a call on our life. Anybody who gets serious about serving God is going to sense a call. Everybody. Not everybody's supposed to stand behind the pulpit, but everybody is supposed to do the work of the ministry. So this morning, I'm beginning with the Lord's help to teach and to talk about how to get people saved. Amen. How to lead somebody to the Lord. Because you're going to be doing it. Right? Especially after we work on this a while. Uh, you know, don't, don't you just come bring somebody to me and say, Brother Keith, they need to get saved. I'll look at you and say, how long you been coming here? And then I'll say, you do it. You lead them. Amen? Every member, from the least to the greatest, every member here in Faith Life Family should be able to confidently and without hesitation lead somebody to the Lord. Amen? Are you ready? Do you believe it? In Acts, the first chapter. How many believe this is a good thing? It's an exceedingly good thing. Acts, the first chapter, and the eighth verse. Acts 1 8, he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts. Of the earth. Now notice he talked about being a witness in the place where they were first, and then expanding out beyond where they were. You, you see people all the time that have a poor witness among their family and among the people they work with, but they want to go overseas and do mission work. <laughs> well, no, I mean you. First of all, you need to work on walking at love, walking in love at home, being a good witness, walking in faith at home. If you can do it at home, you can do it anywhere. Right? Now, it, there's, a, there's a point here that we'll get into perhaps on another day. But he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There is an experience in the Holy Ghost 
uh, after the new birth called being filled with the Holy Spirit. Same spirit you're born of fills you to overflowing. This is not just for Christian character. This is for power for service. A lot of people have not understood. They say, well, I'm born again. I've got the Spirit. That's not the same thing as the Spirit of God being on you. Being in you is not the same as Him being on you for service. We've already talked about that a few weeks ago, and I'm going to talk about it some more because every member of Faith Life Church should be able to lead somebody else to be filled with the Spirit. And in due time, Lord leads us, we're going to teach you how to. And if you haven't been, be a perfect time for you to get, get filled and receive as well. What's this for? Power. Everybody say power. Power to be a witness. Amen. Now, he didn't just say, you shall go a-witnessing, did he? What did he say? You will be witnesses. This is not something that we just group together, and, and, and we may do some things like this, but this is not just something we just group together once, once in a while and go knock doors and go a-witnessing. No, this is something you're supposed to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere you are, with everybody you're around. A witness. And, and I hope you, you understand why I'm saying this. Because this is the first and foremost part of leading somebody to the Lord. Don't be in a rush to pray the prayer with them. First and foremost, emphasize living the Christian life in front of them. There was a man some years ago who turned out to be a worldwide uh, known evangelist who millions came in under his ministry. And somebody asked him, who's preaching? Uh, Did you come in under? He said, nobody's. It was so-and-so's living. Why he got saved. And it was not, not, not even somebody who was a preacher. It was just somebody he knew that was a Christian. Everybody say, be a witness. Now, I'm going to give you four things, and I'm going to give you another three things, but first the four. When it comes to leading somebody to the Lord, number one, make an acquaintance. You need to be friendly to people. Amen? Don't just be ready to preach to people. Just be ready to be nice to people. Be friendly. Make an acquaintance. Don't be so shy and don't be so withdrawn and introvert that you pull away and you're around somebody. You work with somebody on the job for for months and and don't even know them, haven't even met you. Like we do here. Walk over to them. Reach out your hand. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Meet them. That's the first step, isn't it? Meet people. Be friendly. Make an acquaintance. Number two, make a friend. Now, see, we haven't even got to the praying the prayer yet, have we? Make a friend. The number one rule in Faith Life Church, if you break this rule, you'll be in trouble. If you do this rule, everybody's going to be happy with you, me the most of all. Number one rule, Faith Life Church, love each other. It's always going to be like that. I, I didn't say there's something we're going to do. This is number one. Everybody understand this? Yeah. Number one. Love each other. And that's not just in talk. We're going to do it. Every, every Christian knows you're supposed to love each other. But so many times that's all in the world it is. It just stops right there. Everybody goes, yeah, amen. And that's it. Mm-mm. How do you do it? Okay, here, the number one way that you love each other is by giving to each other. Now, I didn't always know that. But one time in a time of prayer, studying some things, the Lord that said that to me. He said, Keith, he said, the, the, what, how did he say it? Uh, the, uh, the chief expression of love is giving. The chief expression of love is giving. Now, when I heard that, I thought, well, I don't know that that's right or not. You're supposed to check everything out by the Bible, by the Word. I thought, giving And while I'm wondering and pondering that, he brought to my spirit with force John 3.16. Anybody remember it? For God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven, 
I love you. Is that the chief expression of love? No, it's fine. It's great to tell people that you love them, but that is not the chief expression of love. That's not the main way that you express love and walk in love. For God so loved the world that He spoke from heaven and said, I I have all these feelings for you. I just, mm, I feel. Are feelings the chief expression of love? The God kind of, no, they're not. That's why people are so confused. Feelings change with the weather, friend. I mean, feelings fluctuate. You can have all these wonderful feelings. You have all these awful feelings. And that's why people are in and out of relationships and in and out of marriages and in and out of churches because their feelings changed. If you live by your feelings, you're going to be a yo-yo and a basket case. But when you walk by faith, the Word reads the same every day. Hallelujah. The truth is the same. Gives you stability. And you keep believing God and saying and doing the right thing till your feelings come in line. You feel like you're supposed to. So the number one thing is love each other. And the number one way you do that is by giving. Now, I'm not just talking about money now. Money is one of the lesser things you can give. You give people your, your time. You give You believe in people. Amen. You stand with people, give people your loyalty, your faithfulness. You don't have to know all the scriptures. I've had people just, you know, tell me it meant more to them than words could say. That I just came to them in their time of need and just put my hand on their shoulder and said, I believe in you. I believe in you. I'm with you. You're going to make it. And they knew I meant it. Amen? I mean, that's giving and it's worth more than money. We're going to do that around here night and day. Right? Said out loud, I'm a giver. Every day of my life. I'm a giver. Well, now see, that's the thing that's going to draw people to you that you can later lead to the Lord. Go with me, please, to the book of Romans. Book of Romans and uh, the first chapter. Excuse me, the second chapter is where I want you to go. Romans 2. In Romans chapter 2 and in verse 4, Romans 2, 4, let's just look at the latter part of it. He said, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. What's going to cause people to want to repent? Seeing God's goodness. And one of the main ways they should be seeing it is in you. Right? And that's where you being a witness comes in. That's why sometimes people have misunderstood and they've said, well, you know, the main thing is preaching Jesus to people. And they make fun of us talking about, uh, you know, being healed and about prospering in your finances. And they say, oh, that's just that health and wealth gospel club. They're not preaching the gospel. Why would people want to be like you, though? Right? Unless... You have something different than the world around about them has. Hmm? People need to see victory in your life. They need to see peace in your life. They need to see you having success in your marriage. And in rearing your children. They need to see that you're able to pay your bills. Amen. They need to see that your body's healed. And we don't know everything in these areas. But we sure need to be pursuing it. Amen. We need to believe, be believing God that He gets glory in our spirit and in our body and our whole life. That people see us and they see His goodness. Can you say amen? amen. And that will make them want to know about Him. Number one, you make an acquaintance. Number two, you make a friend. This is before they're saved. Phyllis used to work in doctor's offices, and they'd hire all these assistants, 
and nurses and other things. And most of them she hired were not saved. But usually within three months or so, at the max, they were. Became kind of an evangelistic hiring deal. And uh, what she would do, and the other the ladies that worked with her, they'd just love on these, I started to say girls, but women, whatever, they'd just love on them. And sinners' lives are messed up. These women had come in after a rough weekend of drinking and partying and their boyfriend had beat them up and they tore their car up because they were drunk and acting stupid and they spent all their money and they're in there and it's like, you know, what is wrong with me? And, and they just love on them. I said, just love on them. Be there for it. She brought some of them to the house. And, and we just tried to help them. And, so, and, and not try to force Jesus on them. Not try to see how quick we could get them to pray. Are you listening to me now? You may not understand, but a lot of people have prayed the so-called sinner's prayer and were never saved. Just mouthing those words does not save you. And the Lord is not interested just in converts. He's interested in disciples. How many understand? We don't want to lose any. We want, to, we want to win people, but we want them to hook. We want them to get fed and get strong and reproduce. Jesus gave the example of the shepherd and the sheep. That's how it operates. The shepherd is supposed to lead. The shepherd is supposed to feed. The shepherd is supposed to protect. The shepherd is supposed to tend to the little ones and the sick ones. But do they expect anything out of the sheep? Why do you have sheep? Yeah, they expect something out of the sheep. One of the principal things they expect the sheep to do is multiply. Is that right? Reproduce. So we have lambs that grow up and have other lambs that grow up and have other lambs. And when the flock prospers, it's a big flock. Amen? But you want to have victory in your life so that when you're reproduced, there's victory. Not just reproducing your problems, but victory in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is this okay this morning? I hope so. This is what I've got. The goodness of God leads us, leads people around you to repentance. Outsiders must see the goodness of God in you, in your life, and what's going on with you. Amen. And if you invite them to church... They need to be able to see the goodness of God in the parking lot. Amen. Amen. In the lobby. In every aspect, they need to be able to see that God is a good God. And that's what leads them to want to repent and get right. Let me go over these four points again. Number one, do what? Make an acquaintance. Number two, make a friend. Be there for them. Don't. Now, now, now get this. You don't win people by nagging them. That includes your husband. Or your wife. Or your brother or sister that's not saved. Do not nag them about Jesus. And do not condemn them because of their sin and, their, and what's wrong in their lifestyle. Sinners sin. That's what they do. That's why they need to get saved. I know years ago I was riding somewhere on an airplane and uh, happened to be in, up, up, up front and, and somebody came and, and sat down beside me and this guy was drunk and he was using all kind of bad language and he's sloshing liquor all over the place and he already had too much and they just kept filling him with more and uh, finally he asked me what I do. <laughs> and I told him. Well, he got sheepish then. He kind of... Pulled his drink over to the other side. He looked, finally, he looked over at me. He said, you know, I know better than this. He said, all this bad talk and acting like this and carrying My mama taught me better than this. And, and, uh, and I could tell he was waiting for me to jump on him. 
Because that's what most people do. He's waiting for me to go, yeah, you rascal, you. You know better than this. Why are you over here acting like this? Listen, that is not the love of God. That is not what wins people. Did you hear me? I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what their lifestyle is. I don't care. They're doing drugs. They're sleeping around, lying. I don't care what. That's what sinners do, okay? That's why they need Jesus. And what will impact them in such a way is for you to look at them and not judge them and love them. You don't have to call wrong right, but you love them anyway. Amen. And finally, he kept waiting for me to jump on him, and I didn't say a word about any of that. Didn't say a word about the cussing and the word about none of the junk he was doing. I just finally, I said, well, I said, you know, the main thing is to be able to know God like you know your brother or your mama or your daddy or somebody like that and to know that you're right with it. Immediately, he just, he zoned in. He listened. He didn't say a word. Somebody said, you pray the prayer with him? I didn't on that particular case because I didn't sense that he was ready, but oh, he took it to heart. He listened. Number one, make an acquaintance. Number two, do what? Make a friend. Be there for him. Don't judge him. Don't nag him. Don't ride him. Now, you, you, you're clear on this. Everybody said out loud. No nagging. No nagging. And no judging. no judging. And how they dress is really none of your business. Okay? A lot of, a lot of what people call Christian is just Western ideas. You know what I'm saying? People think, well, to be a Christian, you have to have a haircut like mine and you have to dress like me. No, you don't. No, you don't. And so many times people are working on the outside when that ain't the deal. We've got to get the inside straight. And then let God deal with them about the outside. Right? And so fishing requires different techniques. Doesn't it? Depending on what kind of fish it is. How many of you don't just take your rod and your lure and you go out to the water and go bite? Bite. Bite that hook. You might snag one like that, but. Whether you're net fishing or hook fishing, you got to position it correctly. Right? Sometimes you got to wait. And uh, I know another time I was riding on a plane. And, and this guy's finally he asked me what I did too. And I told him. And then he, I could tell he's waiting on me to push him about Jesus. So I used a different technique on this fish. I just sat over there with my Bible. And just a little bitty Bible I had. I just read. And just almost ignored him. He said, so you're a preacher. I said, Yeah. Well, I hear y'all believe this and this. I said, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and I could tell he's waiting on me to preach at him so he can shut it off. But what I'm doing, I got my lure out there just waiting. <laughs> Wiggle it a little bit. <laughs> Until he wants it. And eventually, hook. I know a guy one time, an insurance fella called Phyllis because she worked with insurance on some of the things that she did. And they were having to wait while this certain part of this claim was being processed. And, and he, he st- actually starts kind of trying to flirt with her over the phone. And, um, and finally told her about this. She wasn't responding too well to him. So she, he finally told her, told her about this other girl he is dating. And said, yeah, she's one of them crazy tongue talker things and she got kind of quiet and he said uh, you go to church she said yeah yeah y'all ain't one of them tongue talkers she said yeah we are <laughs> and uh, so anyway then he goes off on this tangent about how that people have prayed for him and people have done all kind of stuff for him and 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 he's not getting saved and he don't believe in all that and finally wound up just ranted and raved right finally wound up about he thinks maybe he's the antichrist 
sinners are messed up. You know? And um, and so finally towards the end, he says, well, uh, you're going to pray for me, aren't you? She said, no. Uh-uh. He said, you're not. He said, no. You want to go to hell? I guess you'll go. <laughs> if you're the Antichrist, you know, well, I'll pray for you. Before it was over, he's going, oh, come on, pray for me. <laughs> totally turned around. <laughs> How many understand what I'm talking about? We should be the ones with confidence. We shouldn't feel inferior and displaced. And we don't have to try to hard sell Jesus. We don't have to try to push him down anybody. He is the answer. They're the ones should be embarrassed about not receiving him. And we don't have to hard sell. And the Lord doesn't want us to. If they don't want him, you've got to leave them alone. Because that's what he does. Until they, until they want him. Number one, do what? Number two? Number three, make a convert. There comes a point in the relationship where now they're your friend. You have some rapport. Now you introduce them to your best friend. Amen. That's what would happen with, with Phyllis at those girls at the office there. Uh, she'd love on them. They'd pray with them, help them get past their boyfriend, beating them up and all kind of crazy stuff. And eventually they'd come to her office and want to see her crying. You know, I want what you have. I mean, your husband doesn't beat you up and, and y'all have this and, and y'all have that. And I want what you want. Well, that's when you tell them Jesus is what you want. He is the answer. Amen. Now, let's talk about that part, how to make a convert, how to lead them to the master. Uh, First of all, don't assume that anybody is saved that you don't know. Don't just jump to conclusions that they are saved. Ask people. If it gets down to that and you know you have the opportunity, ask them, when were you born again? Because there's a whole lot of people that have gone to church for years and they've never been born again. Go with me to John 3. Y'all want me to finish this up real quick or you want me to take a few more minutes with it? If you have to go, I understand. But this is important. I don't want to rush it. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How do you get into the family of God? How do you get into the spiritual kingdom of God exactly the same the way you got into this planet? You were born into this planet through flesh. And you're born into the family of God by the Spirit. It's just as real as being born in the flesh. Being born again in the Spirit. Nicodemus verse 4 said, How can a man be born When he's old, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There are all kind of deadly deceptions about what it means to be saved. You've got all kind of people in this country that believe that if you're American, you're a Christian. Absolutely not. You must be born again. Amen. You've got people that believe, well, if you are born to Christian parents and you're raised in a Christian home, that makes you a Christian. No, it does not. Well, if you go to church, that makes you a Christian. No, it does not. Well, I've been baptized in water. That does not make you born again. Well, I was baptized as an infant. That does not save you. I don't care who said so. Jesus said, you must be born again. Are you with me? 
all kind of misconceptions about how people get saved. Do I need to go over that slowly again? No amount of doing good will save you. I'm going to go over this carefully again because it's so important. Just because you are an American citizen, that in no way equals being saved. Just because you were born in a Christian home to Christian parents and were taken to church or were baptized as a baby does not mean you are saved. Just because that you joined a church and your name is on a roll, that does not mean you are saved. Just because you came down to the front and shook somebody's hand, that does not mean you are saved. Just because you do good works, I don't care if you give to the poor, I don't care if you do all kind of things, uh, benevolence and humanitarian, that does not save you. Tell me how you get saved. You must be born again. It's not something you can take any credit for except you believe Him and receive Him. And God does that work inside you. And you become a new creation. In Christ Jesus, you did not earn it. You did not deserve it. It was given to you and you received. Can you say amen? Amen. And when you've been born again, you know you have. I said you know you have. Anybody know in here when you got born again? Do you know it? If you don't, you need to make sure today. I know exactly when I was born again. I was 12 years old. And my dad walked the aisle in a Baptist church. And I thought, well, if he needs it, I probably need it. And I got up and followed him. Amen. And me and him went to the altar. And I believed on Jesus that day. Confessed him as my Lord. And was changed. i never forget it. That next day at school, I kept looking around the classroom. Everybody looked different to me. Even people I thought I didn't like, I cared about them. Cared what happened to them. And that's what the scripture says. We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. You have a love in you that you cannot get anywhere else. An unselfish God kind of love. Everybody with me now? Do you understand? I know I know it sounds redundant, but this is so important. You got all kind of people. It's a, it's a sad, sad thing that you got people all over the world Depending on deception for their salvation. Being a U.S. citizen does not make you a Christian. Being born to Christian parents does not make you a Christian. Being baptized in water as an infant or even later on does not equal that you're born again. That's supposed to be something you do as a response of being born again. An outward public uh, sign of your faith to God. And believe with me, uh, I'm believing for a baptistry in this place. Amen. Amen. And I apologize to you for some of you that have already gotten in that we haven't already baptized you. But uh, believe with me that we have the place. And we'll do it. We'll get it. Okay? But you understand now, being baptized doesn't save you. I don't, I know churches have big, huge falling outs over the formula that you're baptized with and all this, but there's been many a man and woman that went into the water a dry sinner and came out a wet sinner. Jesus said, tell me everybody, Jesus said, you must be born again. That's it. That's it. And when you've been born again, you know you have. Now, uh, Let's get into some more detail. I'm I'm trying to wind this up here for this morning. But, okay, how do we get somebody born again? In Romans, the 10th chapter, you know it, but let's look at it. Romans chapter 10. I think sometimes people just kind of take for granted that everybody knows these things. But it doesn't get any more important than this. And why are we talking about this? We're talking about what you're going to do. I've been doing this for years. We're talking about what you're going to do. And I know some of you have been doing this too. But you're going to do it better and you're going to do it more. Amen. 
And we're going to be prepared. And every member of the Faith Life family will be able to confidently and without hesitation lead somebody to the Lord. Amen. And that's not the end of it. We're going to make an acquaintance. We're going to make a friend. We're going to make converts. And we're going to make disciples. Not only that, but you're going to be able to follow up with them. But first of all, let's, let's talk about the actual getting them saved. In Romans 10, verse 8, it says, What is it? The word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. These are the, the, the parts of your being that are active in being born again. Your heart, not, to, not talking about your blood pump, your insides. And your mouth. Verse 9. That if you will confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. And if you will believe in your heart. That God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart. Man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. How will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? That's why we're talking about it right now. Because they can hear through you. You can proclaim it to them. You can tell them. Now here's, I told you I was going to give you those four things I did. Here's the three things. The one I've already given you. Don't assume that people are saved. Ask them, when were you born again? Don't, don't say it judgmentally. Just ask them, you know, if they want to talk about Jesus. When, when were you born again? If they were and they know it, they'll gladly tell you. I was born again X amount of time. I know when I was. If they don't know, then you need to, to lead them and help them so that they can know. Salvation is a no-so thing. You don't wait till you get to heaven and see if you're saved. Did you hear me? And I know some folk don't like this, but it does no good for people to pray for you after you're dead. If you're not saved in this life, you're not saved. No need praying for people that are dead. Salvation occurs now in this life when you have a choice. Amen? You choose Jesus of your own volition, of your own will. Now, Matthew 10 says, pray the Lord to send laborers into his harvest. And you need to be a laborer, but then also realize that there's some people God won't use you with. He'll use other, especially like your relatives. Sometimes they don't want to listen to you, but there's other people they will listen to. So you ask the Lord, Lord, send laborers across their path. And you ask the Lord, enlighten the eyes of their heart and understanding So that they can see their need for you. And they can see that you've paid the price for them. Because the scripture said in 2 Corinthians 4. That the people who don't believe. Their minds have been blinded. So that they don't see. People that are lost. They're blind spiritually. So I haven't digressed now. How do you pray for people that's lost? Don't just beg God to save them. He's already done the work. He's already done everything that needs to be done for them to be saved. It's up to them to receive him. Well, why don't they? Because they're blind. They're deceived. So you come against that darkness and you you say, darkness, be removed from their mind in Jesus' name. Lord, enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Lord, send a laborer across their path, somebody they'll listen to. And, of course, you be ready to be a laborer for somebody. And, And the first thing I said... Ask. Don't assume that they're saved. Secondly, there must be revelation and repentance. They must see their need for Him and they must be repentant. What do you mean by that? They they must see I'm lost without Him. I'm not okay. I can't be saved by my works. And then when you have that and you know that, then you're ready to lead them in the prayer of faith and commitment that they believe in their heart 
that Jesus paid the price for all their sins. They believe that God has raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. And they confess with their mouth, Jesus is my Lord. And when you do that, then, it's all by faith, then they must believe, I'm saved. Don't go by feelings, though you'll have some when you, when you are, but believe that you're saved and then you tell them your sins are washed away. Tell them you're clean. Tell them you stand before the Lord as clean as if you never made a mistake. And if you do miss it again tomorrow, just get out on your knees. Admit it to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you. And you'll be able to get back up clean just like you are right now. They must believe it. You're saved by faith. How many believe you're saved in here this morning? You believe you're clean? You believe your sins are washed away? That's what makes you saved. You believe on Him and you believe what He said. Now finally, like we said, we said make an acquaintance. What else? Make a friend. What else? Make a convert. We just told you how to do that. And then finally what? Make a disciple. Just because somebody got born again does not mean they know everything. They don't. They're babies. Just like little babies, they need extra attention. A lot of stuff they don't know how to do for themselves yet. And Phyllis used to see that. We've seen that with other people. They got saved. We let them. They were sincere. And then you see them after the weekend. They come in crying, all broken hearted. They went out and got drunk again. I don't know what's wrong with me. I didn't get saved. And the devil will jump on their shoulder and say, look at you. You didn't get saved. No, listen. You got flesh. And their flesh is trained in all this ungodly living. And just because you got saved on the inside, your flesh didn't get saved. It was the man on the inside. So now you have to begin the job, the lifelong job of renewing your mind to think right and controlling your body. And again, not judging people, but being there for them and telling them, no, 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 we're not going to let the devil have you. You're not going back into the world. You come on, you go to church with me. Hmm? Tell them what scriptures they need to stand on. Tell them how to change their confession. Tell them how to pray. Right? Who's going to do that? You are, right? You are. You're going to take a little one under your wing, so to speak. Amen? Amen. Call them on the phone. They got saved last week, you know. Especially somebody got dealt with you to invite and talk to and be a friend on the job or wherever, and they wind up saved, they wind up at the church. You're going to call them and check up on them. And if you see that they're embarrassed and they're, they feel condemned and they're running away from you, then if you have to, you go over and you sit down with them and say, what's going on now? Well, I sinned and God don't love me. Well, he don't love the sin, but he still loves you. And it's going to be okay. I've messed up too. And you're a baby. And God knows that. He's merciful. He's gracious. I'm here for you. What do we need to do? Call me if you need some help. Right? Who's going to do that? You're going to do that. That's part of being a Christian. Right? That's part of being a real Christian. A real disciple of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Was this okay this morning? Are you, are you alright with this? Okay. I want you to do two, two major things with this. I want you to understand this and, and meditate on this and think about this until you can do it with confidence. I want you to start practicing it. Do it until you do it confidently and then teach other people how to do this. Amen. So that every member in the family here can confidently and without hesitation lead somebody else to the Lord. One more time. Make, a, make an acquaintance. Meet people. Be friendly. Be outgoing. Be nice. Live a witness in front of them. Number two, make a friend. I know they're sinners. That's all right. Don't get up on your high horse. You've heard cuss words before. You've smelled cigarette smoke before. You've, you've seen drinking before. You've seen drugs before, right? You, you know people sleep around. Don't, don't act like a holier-than-thou prude. I mean, get with the program here. So, and it, a lot of people like to fish, but then you've got to clean them, right? I mean, you got, that's messy, okay? Make a friend. Don't judge. Don't nag. Be there for them. Number three, know how, well, after they're your friend, to introduce them to your best friend. Number four, Make a disciple. Stand up on your feet.
Oh, Father, we thank you. Just lift up your hands and thank him a little bit that he can use you for such amazing, wonderful work. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do that. Thank you. Lift up your hands and just thank him right now. This is important to him. This is important to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for giving us some light. Thank you for giving us some understanding, some direction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. The scripture said that he will give us the heathen for our inheritance. Ask and receive. Everybody said out loud, Father God, we are asking you for the unsaved, for the heathen, for the lost, and for the backsliders. Bring them across our path, or us across their path. Give us favor with them. Give us words, grace. Anointing, Anointing. wisdom, Wisdom. help them them. to see see your goodness goodness. in us us. and in our lives. And draw them them. to yourself yourself. and use us us. to be a witness witness. and a fisher fisher. of men. men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank Him for it right now. Thank you, Lord, for doing it, for granting us our request. For many, many coming to you and using us as is good in your eyes. Say it out loud. I am available to you any day, any night, all the time. I am your witness and your servant and your son in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated for just a minute.